last several weeks, we've been um, having some messages from Joe. He's not here today because he's still not feeling great, so keep him in prayer. But um, he's been speaking about the dealings of God, and, and that can be a tough, tough message. You know, like, who wants to hear about that, right? Uh, God's correction and then dealing with stuff in your heart and bringing up things and getting rid of things and sifting things. It's not like, ooh, happy-go-lucky, but it's an extremely important message. And um, for those of you who don't know or haven't been here, that we're in a corporate fast right now as a community, seeking God's heart for what he has for us as individuals, as families, and as a community for this new year specifically. What's, what's he doing? We do believe that we are on the cusp of a great awakening and that there are souls that are going to come, a harvest, a great harvest that's going to come in, and he's getting us ready. And I know we kept singing, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready, because it's like that in faith, right? We're ready, but we're probably really not ready, <laughs> right? He's getting us ready. Um, it's the cry of our heart to be ready. We're ready, God. We want it, God. We want all that you have, and I know that that's with sincerity that we sing that, that we want all that he has. Um, and so we stand and say, we're ready for this. And I just want to say, get ready then for what you're saying we're ready for because it's going to take a lot of shifting in each of our lives. It's going to take a reordering of our lives, a reordering of our lifestyles even. You know, none of us are, I, I, I could feel bold enough to say that none of us are just walking just like Jesus fully submitted to the will and purposes of the Father at all times, only doing what the Father's doing and only saying what the Father's saying, right? I, I, I could pretty boldly say I don't think we're quite there yet. I'm not there yet. Maybe you are, but I'm not there yet. And we're moving into that as a community. That's, that's what where we desire to be aligned with God's heart and his purposes and his ways. But that takes sifting. It takes God pointing out things in our, our hearts and our lives. And the word, you know, I, I think a lot of times in the church or in family, it can be really hard to, to hear about correction or rebuke or discipline because those words in the world can be very neg like hold negative connotation, right? That nobody you even hear those words and it's kind of like mm, <laughs> don't really like that. Like I don't want to hear the word correction. Mm, makes me cringe or discipline. But that's like that's a worldly perspective. And in fact, you could read my book back there, the orphan mentality chapters one through four, deals with this because when you're in the love of God and know who you are as his child, fully accepted, fully loved, made new. And then you see in scripture that he brings discipline to those children that he loves. And if he does, if you aren't a recipient of that discipline or that correction, you're an illegitimate child then your perspective changes. The reason why we often have time with correction and discipline like Joseph's been talking about, he's going to be continuing to talk about, is because our, ide our identity is based in what we're doing. 
So we find value in the things that I can accomplish. I find value in the things I can accomplish, in the things that I can succeed, how I can shine before others. I find my value and my worth comes from that. So when someone corrects what I'm doing, I take it as a personal attack. I get offended. And this is all just, I'm, I'm repeating things that you'd read straight from the book because this is what the Lord showed me through working with street kids. That is their response. It was touching on their identity because their identity was not grounded in, the l in love. It was grounded in performance. They'd been abandoned by their families. They'd been abandoned by the people that were supposed to love them unconditionally in God's design of family. So they don't know that love. Their parents give them up, and they're constantly working outwardly to earn a position back in the natural. I just want to be loved by my parents, so maybe if I do X, Y, and Z, they'll want me. And that my value and that worth, I'm constantly craving that attention, craving that affirmation to try to fill the place in me that's lacking. And a child of God is not that way. A child of God knows, been adopted into the family, knows the love of the Father and is constantly receiving the love of the Father. God, what do you love about me? Father, what do you love about me? And you're receiving this, and you know that your position is in him. It can't be changed. Nothing you could do or don't do changes the way he sees you. And that becomes reality. Oh, he loves me. He loves me when I mess up. He loves me when I miss the mark. He loves me because he's a father, and he's a good father. The only way that we'll be able to receive correction and discipline and the sifting of the Lord is if we're grounded in the love of God. The only way we won't get offended by correction or discipline or sifting is if we're grounded in the love of God and know that our identity is not in the things that I'm doing. My value does not come from what I can produce before God. That's it's not. It doesn't matter. And our, our lifestyles often sh show that we really, uh, even though we might mentally understand that and say, yeah, I agree, but our lifestyles, our choices, or the way we view people, we become jealous or think, oh, they're so much better than me. Or, Well, why do we make those statements or have those thoughts? It's because we're looking at an outward thing and judging that person by what they're doing, their talents, their gifts, their abilities. And then I'm comparing myself to that outward expression of their gifts and their talents, their abilities. And so that even just shows in itself that my identity is not grounded in the love of God. I'm still seeking to perform. And if we're in performance, we will not be able to stand in the fire in God's refining fire. We just won't. You'll crumble. You'll think he hates you. Not only will you think that he doesn't like you, or, or maybe you'll be like, well, he still loves me, but these people hate me. <laughs> these people that are bringing the correction or, or showing the discipline or, or helping me to see these areas in me, they don't like me. And that's a wrong perspective. We've got to 
align ourselves in the love of God, receive his love regularly, daily, I would say multiple times a day. It's extremely important to be receiving, tapping into his love. Father, what do you love about me? So we don't come under condemnation or the lies of the enemy that would say that if there's sifting or discipline or correction that you are illegitimate or that you are a disappointment to God. Those are all lies. The correction of God is saying, I love you. I want to make you like my son. I'm preparing you for something that I'm about to do in the earth. I see you as valuable. I want you to be part of it. I want you to link arms with me. I don't want you to crumble under the pressure of a harvest of souls coming into the church. So I'm preparing you now for what I can see ahead, and that requires getting rid of some of this junk, and that's actual freedom. That's real freedom. He's wanting to lift the weights of these things off of us that oftentimes we, you know, we're just kind of clinging to inside. But he wants to sever it. And it's not because he's mean, and it's not because he's harsh. It's because he's good. And he's looking to lift burdens from us so we can carry the burden of the Lord and not our own. Not our own, not the weights of, of things that we've experienced in life or that we're not just carrying that heaviness from our own perspectives or wrong perspectives or an orphan mindset, that we'd be in the love of God, allowing him to sift us and actually welcoming it. God, make me like you. I mean, how many, I've prayed that prayer how many times? God, make me like you. And then you're like, oh, do you know what that means? <laughs> Ouch. God, make me like you. Well, then it's okay. You want to be like me. We've got to deal with this, and we've got to deal with this. Yeah, it, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. <laughs> it's not a message we love to hear all the time. He learned to obey, to align himself, to order himself in the Father's uh, will through what he was suffering, what all his denial of self. And again, this I just want to reiterate, this is not a negative word. It's like because of our, our worldly perspective or experiences, we could think, oh, man, this is heavy. This I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. If that's the thought, then, th then we're in the wrong perspective already. When we hear a word of correction, it should say, oh, yes, Father, yes, you love me. You love me, and you're getting me ready for something. This is exciting, though it might be difficult. I mean, in that Hebrews passage that Joseph has been reading a handful of times, it says that you, we would not faint under his correction. Well, that shows that, that it's hard. I mean, it's fainting under the correction. <laughs> it's like, this is too much. I'm just going to fall on the ground. <laughs> and he's saying, don't, don't faint when you've been disciplined or corrected by the Lord, because he understands it's not 
necessarily easy to walk through, but if our perspective is right and we know we're loved by him, truly loved by him, that when correction or discipline comes, then I'm not offended. I'm not taking it personally because I'm loved. My identity is secure. It's not a personal attack. It's not me putting me down. It's not God putting me down. It's not anyone else putting me down. I remember I struggled. You can read in the book, I have so many stories where I struggled deeply with people correcting me. There was one time I, I released a prophetic word that ended up being accurate, but it was way out of timing. I was very young, and I, I released this prophetic word over this girl I was rooming with that God was going to give her her own apartment and her own space, and you know God was going to do this. I can't remember all of it. I was 18 years old. And then a few days later, I just joined Street Life Ministries. A few days later, the director said, hey, we'd like to meet with you tomorrow afternoon. And I'm like, instant. <laughs> it's like going to the principal's office, right? So that already revealed where my heart was at. I'm going to get corrected. And I, I'm like, okay, if I, oh my heart's pounding. What do they want to say to me about? Like that's, that's an orphan mentality. If that's your physical response, <laughs> you're not grounded in the identity. You're not grounded in your identity. It's a clear sign. Sweating, <laughs> hearts pounding. <laughs> what are they going to say to me? So I go into this office, and I'm prepared to, and, and not that I did this consciously. It was literally just my natural response, bawling. I, I'm sobbing before they even say anything. They're like, so how has your first couple months been here? Oh, it's been so hard, and I'm the youngest one here, and I just go, and I release all this sob story in hopes that they don't end up correcting me because they feel bad about how hard it's been for me, you know? And so I'm sobbing, and they're just giving me tissues, <laughs> more tissues, and I, I'm telling you, I'm sobbing before them. And they listen, and, and, and they're like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be praying for that. Thank you for sharing, blah, blah, blah. Well, we did want to mention this. You know, we heard about this meeting that you had, and now I'm like doubled over. Snot's just coming out everywhere. I'm sobbing. I'm angry. And they say, you know, the word that you gave to that, that girl, we've been working with her a very long time, and she needs to be in community right now. Maybe that word was for the future. Y you know, we could see, but it's not for right now. And if you had come to us first as her leaders with such a big directional word, we could have told you that and said, let's pray together. And there I am just sobbing. I couldn't even, I couldn't breathe. You know, you're like hyperventilating when you're crying that hard. And they're just like, keep handing me tissues. They're just, you know, gentle. And then he gives me a stack of books on prophets and prophecy <laughs> and sends me out with probably like four or five books, no joke on prophets and prophecy. And I go back to my apartment, I go into my room, and I throw the books down, and I'm sobbing. I could not stop because I felt so attacked. And I thought, I said to God, I remember I prayed this prayer, God, I never want to prophesy again. I don't ever want to do it again. I'm going to throw people way off track. I'm just way too immature for this. Why would you ever? And then, so there's that one side of my conversation with God. 
woe is me, how horrible, I will never do this again, because not because I was actually concerned maybe this much about giving a false prophecy. I was more concerned about getting corrected because I didn't like it. I was more concerned about not being perfect, which I wanted to be perfect. I didn't want to be corrected. So that was my bigger concern. I'm never doing this again because I don't want to be corrected again. I don't want to fail. I don't want to miss the mark. And then the other side of it, I start to mumble to myself, and who is David to give me such a correction? I see, in his life, I see, ding, 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 and I can list 20 things that I see in his life that are not godly and that he should get corrected about. And so then I'm like, and, and you know what? Is this even valid? Is it valid for him to correct me when he has so many issues himself? <laughs> you know, I'm just journaling. You know, I'm just processing this with the Lord. So then later on, when the Lord starts to teach me about identity and sonship, I start to realize this was the, the most orphan mindset I could come out with was either I'm going to run from everything. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to run. I'm going to avoid. And the true root of that was because I wanted to be perfect. I don't like being told that I'm wrong. I don't like that feeling. I just, I've got to be perfect all the time. Or you go to the other side and you just point out the flaws because we all have flaws, right? God uses flawed people to correct and discipline other flawed people. Whoa, that's not fun. <laughs> I'd rather just receive from God the perfect one who has perfect love for me. <laughs> like, I'll just listen to him. I'm sure you will. But you won't know that you're truly in the love of God and actually maturing until you can receive from a brother or sister who's flawed, who has sin of their own or fa failures of their own, saying, hey, this might need to come into alignment here. God uses that He it, all throughout the Bible. Look at Paul's letters. He called people out in his letters. Tell Hymenus or however you say her name to stop gossiping. He wrote that in a letter that circulated all the churches. Was the Lord using him to correct someone? Absolutely, to bring into order. How mortifying to be that woman. <laughs> Her name then is known as the gossiper in the church. She's in the church family. Right? We don't necessarily connect to those pieces, but that's like me saying, uh, writing a letter to the church and being like, beware of Maynard. Tell him to stop gossiping around. And then that letter just gets sent to all the churches in Maine. Yeah, and gets canonized then. His name's just, what? Yeah, yeah, he's offended, right? That would be hard. That would be hard. God uses people who are not perfect to correct other people who are not perfect. But when we're in the love of God and actually walking in maturity, I can receive from anybody, whether you say it the right way or the wrong way. I mean, hopefully we're learning to bring things in the right way, in love. But even if someone comes to me, say me and my spouse, this doesn't happen often. Say my spouse comes to me and says, hey, I, I really think you have an issue with this. And I'm like, because with your spouse, it can be really hard, too. <laughs> right? You know. You know them very well. 
So mm, my spouse comes to me and says, I think you have an issue with this. And I'm like, <coughs> well, I think you have an issue with this, this, this. It's like the then it becomes a competition of who has more issues instead of him being able to come to me and say, I think you have a, you know, I see this in you. And then me saying, okay, that I'm not going to take that personally. I'm loved by God. That, that does not change anything about my identity. It doesn't change anything about who I am. So, okay, th- thank you. I'm going to take that to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to ask him, Lord, is this true? Is this true? I'm going to receive, is this true, what, you, what, th- what Tom just said to me? Am I prideful? Is this true? And then I, I'm sincerely asking the Holy Spirit because I sincerely want to be more like Jesus. And my identity is not shaken by that. And that's individually, that's also words that come from the the pulpit here, from our Sunday gatherings where something strikes you and you're like, "Hmm, who told them? Right? Has anyone had that? Like that message, someone told someone about my situation and now they're preaching it from the pulpit. And I'm mad about that, and I'm offended. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's just the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. And even if it was out of foreknowledge, as a mature child of God, I can say, okay, if I'm bothered by this, if I'm offended by this, then there's something in me. It's not in the other person. It's in me, I'm the offended one. I'm the one who's being bothered. Lord, why am I so bothered about this? Why is it irking me so much? And that's the question then we need to ask. And he is faithful to show us and sever that thing from our lives and then secure us in his love and remind us that we are fully accepted, loved, valued, have worth. We're part of his family. We're, I mean, uh, we're about to become parents. Many of our parents in the room, when you correct your child, are you saying you hate them? No. When you bring correction to them, you're saying, I want you to be all the best that you can be. I'm teaching you the way that you need to go. Is that hard? Yes, it's hard. Can your child dislike you for that? Yeah, maybe sometimes. <laughs> but it's the way. It's, it's not because you dislike them. It's because of your intense love for them that you do that. And that's the same way with God with us. He has such an intense love for us. And we need to be in that. I'm going to just read from James. Uh, well, the Lord had me in um, my favorite scripture, and I d- I'm sure it's for me, too. I think during this fast, I've just been Proverbs 12.1. I've been in this for a couple of weeks. In the in New American Standard, it says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. My, it's one of my favorite verses because they call you stupid. Like the Bible's calling me stupid <laughs> when I hate reproof, and I think that's quite comical. 
But it, it is saying you're foolish to hate correction or discipline. In the Amplified, it says, whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I every morning I wake up and the Lord says Proverbs 12.1, and I'm like, oh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> you know, am I like, am I a brute beast, stupid and discriminating? Are you telling me I'm foolish here? But I want to grow in my love for correction. I want to grow in my love for it. It says, he who loves correction. That's a massive paradigm shift. Not only just not hating it, but saying, I love it. I love it because it's making me like him. And then I read this last week briefly uh, after Joe had finished in James 1. I've also been in James 1 for a couple weeks. In James 1, verse 19, and I'm going to read to you uh, verse 25. It says, understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, and slow to take offense and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble and gentle spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. He thoughtfully observes himself, and then he goes off and forgets what he was like. But he lo who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, in his life of obedience. This chunk of verses here I've just been meditating on over and over again because what's so clear here to me is that the man that he first talks about that looks it says that he looks carefully at his natural face so he's not careless he's not looking quick and then leaving he's actually taking time to look intently so that means any of us in this body who truly have desire to be changed and we're, we're looking we're not we're looking carefully god help me to see but when god speaks we don't obey it when god speaks i don't practice it when god speaks i don't make a lifestyle change it says that he will go and immediately forget what he looks like and we'll know if this is us in our life, if there's just this constant cycle of the same message being brought to our attention by the Lord over and over and over again. I want you to adjust this. It's time for this. 
if it's a constant, the same message year after year after year, I would challenge you that maybe you're not obeying it. Maybe I'm not obeying it. If I'm just hearing the same thing from the Lord, if I was doing it, he wouldn't have to remind me every year, and I wouldn't have to come under this strong conviction every time. They're not saying it's someone who's careless and foolish. They're saying it's someone, a brother, a sister in the Lord, who's carefully looking at something, but they're not applying what the Lord is saying. They're not doing it. And when they walk away, they totally forget, and that sets us in cycles of the same bondage year after year after year, and God wants to set us free. He says here, but he who looks carefully at the law of liberty and is faithful to it, perseveres at looking into it, doesn't look away, just keeps looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed in his obedience. So when the Lord brings or the Spirit brings something to your attention and you keep meditating on it and thinking about it and processing it and then saying, okay, I'm going to make some changes. Lord, let's make some changes. I'm going to actively obey what you're highlighting to me, whether that means I need to get right with a brother and sister, whether that means I need to shift some aspect of my life, Whatever it is that he's pointing out to you, that you say, I'm going to make an active change. The word says that your life will be blessed. The blessing of God, the favor of God, that will be poured out without measure over your obedience. And that's the goal, right? And say, yeah, man, this is hard. It's hard to obey the word. Hey, I can hear it. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I can hear it. I can receive it, but I don't necessarily want to make the changes yet. <laughs> I don't really want to apply it yet, so I'm just going to keep kind of putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Well, you're going to just go in a cycle forever of bondage. But if I say, no, okay, you know what? This is hard. I've got to shift some things in my life. I've got to make some changes in the way that my household is, in the way that my, my community life is, in the way that I am with my children, in the way that I am with my brothers and sisters in community, whatever it might be that he's speaking to you, I'm going to make changes, I'm going to obey. That obedience, as difficult as it might be, is going to open the door of blessing over your life, and then you'll get more and more excited to be obedient to God the next time. Because you'll think, oh, he's not only challenging me so I can be free and saying, I'm bringing correction and discipline to make you free. But then when you say yes to it, because I know it's hard, I'm going to just pour out abundant blessing over you so you know how proud I am that you said yes <laughs> and made some changes. He's such a good father. It's like that encouragement sandwich. Like, don't worry, I love you. I'm correcting you because I love you. I'm disciplining you because I love you. I love you. I love you. Here's the discipline. Ow, 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 ow. But then the blessing as soon as you say, yes, Lord, and obey it. 
obey it. And I want to encourage everyone today, especially during this fast. We're going to the 21st of January. Whatever you're fasting, whether it be food, media, television, whatever it might be, sleep, waking up earlier, that you would be seeking God. What are you wanting to sift out of my life? What do you want to bring into order? Let me make some immediate changes. Let me make some immediate decisions. I've heard this message, and I don't want to become a heedless listener who's just caught in a cycle for the rest of my life, never getting free from this bondage, but instead... I'm telling you, if we do this individually and in our homes as the Lord brings things up, not only will it bring blessing over you individually and your family, but it will over this family. It's We're just going to, the multiplied blessing and increase, and others will feel that life as they come in, that we're not caught in cycles of disobedience to God but we're in the freedom of obedience and the love of the Father and actually making steps to do what he's calling us to do in the conviction, whatever conviction he's giving you, that you're doing it, you're walking it out without fear and knowing that he loves you. I felt this was just, I wanted to reiterate this today because the messages have been all kind of in this vein and I, I, I've been thinking like, I know this can be hard sometimes to hear. So people are like, no, we're done with correction in the church. <laughs> Do we have to hear about that one more time? Well, if the Spirit is speaking it, then yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do, and it's because he's preparing us. It's because he has something in store for us. And we want to welcome that word fully so that the blessing can be poured out fully because they go hand in hand. And I just I want to stand here as a the, as the overseer of this church community in that authority. I just I felt to even say that this morning. I want to stand here as an authority in this house by the spirit of God to say this is what we need as a community. It's what I need, it's what we need as a whole. I believe that 150% and because of that, I'm speaking it with such directness and boldness because I have no doubt that this is what the Spirit is saying. And it gets me excited, and I hope and pray regularly for each person in this body that we could hear these words and be transformed, not ignore them, not say, oh, that was good, let me put it on the shelf that we would walk out of here and say, okay, God, what am I to change in my life? What do I need to change? There are things we all need to change. What do I need to change, Lord? What does Wesley need to change? In Joseph's word, he always says, what is Joseph? <laughs> when he's preaching, he's always saying, I'm preaching to me, Joseph. Oh, well, what does Wesley need to change? What is each of you, just before the Lord, God, what? What do you want me to reorder? And I'm going to make a practical decision, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to go meet with my brother who has offended me, and I'm going to make it right. 
I'm going to go and, and apologize to my spouse because I was uh, out of order. Whatever it might, I'm going to apologize to my children. I'm going to, I don't, I don't even know. It could be in your business, could be in your workplace, could be wherever. I don't know what it is. But whatever the Lord is saying, that you would heed it today. Today, do it today. Don't delay. Let's break these cycles and let's move into the promise that God has for us because it's being poured out. He's making us ready and each one of us must get ready to receive the outpouring of God that's going to be like none other thing that we've ever experienced in our entire lives. It's going to be better, way, way better. And I'm telling you, I'm excited for it. So that's what motivates me to say, Lord, search me, know me, point out any way in me that's not pleasing to you. Because I'm, re I'm ready. I want to be ready for this outpouring. Amen. <laughs>